So you got a whole uh, alpha team now, don't you? But you, but you have a wealth of knowledge that is beneficial to a lot of people, and it we can move the needle. How often do you hear a hunting podcast? We talked about this. People relate to this. On behalf of Kafaro International, we wanted to thank our customers, who we also look at as family. With this big move to Riverton, Wyoming, it's been very trying, very stressful, but without the customers and our friends, we couldn't do it without you. So again, thank you. We appreciate your support. Welcome to Kafaro Cast, everyone. I'm back at the Kafaro World headquarters with my general manager, Colin Kaepernick. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Colin, what's going on? Not much. How you doing, sir? Uh, good, good. Um, I just got back from Arizona uh, where I was mule deer hunting. And I, I've, um, I've been here much, thank God. No, I'm just kidding. I, uh, <laughs> I went antelope hunting and then I went to Kodiak for a little bit with some training stuff. And then I was back, I think, a day and a half and then left mm-hmm. for, for mule deer. So uh, Colin and crew have been uh, holding down the, the fort since I've been gone. How's that been good. going? No, it's been good. It's been uh, a lot of fun. We're getting back, actually caught up with shipping. So orders and lead times are going down. Orders are going out faster. Uh, back to normal. I'm glad to not be uh, a mover uh, anymore and go back to actually selling packs. Uh, everything's going good. We got a lot of big plans on the horizon. Um, some changes will be coming up in Kafaro, all for the best. So, no, it's been really good. Um just, uh, like I said, not happy to not be just moving shit around. It's been hot here. It's been really, really hot. It's been hot everywhere. Sorry, I was yeah. spitting my chew out. Um, I, uh, on that note, I think, uh, obviously, um, like every person I know, every state right now, like, uh, Rotier, South Dakota, mm. it's 97, 102, my balls are hot. Like he's messaging me, <laughs> he's sweating to death. And then, uh, uh, elk hunting in Colorado, people messaging me, you know, that are out there hunting hot there. Uh, I just got back from Arizona. Uh, I, I literally could have made stir fry in my ass crack. It was hot, <laughs> hot. And so, which, you know, for me in South going in is good because yeah. by the time we go in, it won't be hot and, uh, the elk will be cranking. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's one of those things like with, with, with elk specifically, um, the, uh, well, in this case, generally they do not kick in crazy into the rut when it's super hot. And yeah. so when we get in there, they'll probably probably be cranking pretty good. You know, with mule deer, like in Arizona, the problem we had was they don't stay out in the daylight. They're nocturnal. Bedded. But with antelope, it's great because they have to drink water once a day. And uh, so I guess, you know what, I haven't done a podcast. We are going to talk about the mule deer hunt, a little bit about Kafaru, but I really talked about the antelope hunt either. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll no. talk about both. Yeah. Um, so, uh, on the, the Kafaru side of things, um, as, as, as Colin had said, uh, we're, we're getting to, towards full speed ahead. You know, we've got a lot of new things on the horizon, some changes being made. I'm actually trying to back away a lot more and, and let Colin and crew here run things. Um, I, I am, I am not necessarily needed here. Um, probably cause more problems when I am here. So, uh, you know, on my end, what I'm trying to focus on is, uh, you know, writing articles, finishing my book, seminars, hunting, tech tips, things like that, and, and get away from the, the, the Kafaru side of things. Not that I, uh, dislike it. I'm just one, I'm probably not as good at it as I should be. And you guys can handle it. And I'm good at the other stuff, which is what I'm going to focus on. Um, so that's happening now, mm-hmm. which you guys are doing great. And then we have, um, I don't know how much of the new stuff should we talk about? Probably not too, too much, I guess. We have things coming down the pipe, Yeah, as you said. <laughs> well, yeah, a little bit uh, like what you said is, uh, you know, for anyone who's met you in person or gone to any of your seminars or whatnot, I don't think people realize, you know, maybe just get a little bit from this podcast, but how damn good you are at teaching and how much information and knowledge you have. And I, I think it's something that uh, it kind of is stoking your fire a little bit more uh, as opposed to just, you know, the day in and day out of running a business. Uh, so for us at Kafaro, having you out doing that stuff is actually way more beneficial than having you just necessarily being in here and signing checks and telling people what to do. Yeah, which I'm not good at that anyway. I'm the world's worst micromanager. 
probably worse than the worst if, <laughs> if there was a worst, but, uh, no, that's going good. And, and yeah, I definitely, um, going to try to focus on, I mean, honestly, like I tell people there's an exit strategy for me, like I'm wanting to, you know, get away from a lot of different things. I, I'm not wanting to get away totally. I still want to do seminars. I still want to write articles, but I want to focus on just teaching, uh, you know, obviously in hunting and get away from, I'm not real big on the argumentative, um, negative side of certain things. And I want to get away from that. Meaning like, um, you, and I talked about this with Chris Rowe on, on a podcast was, uh, you know, there, there is a dark side or an uglier side to hunting that with social media being the way it is and things like that. And haters, they, there's certain things that happen while you're hunting that you're afraid to talk about, even though people yeah. should learn from. And so, um, that kind of, for me is, is, is a, a little hard to swallow because nothing in life is perfect, even unless you're online living in your mom's basement and then <laughs> maybe you're perfect, but shit happens. Right. But yep. then you're afraid to, to talk about that because of the potential backblast. And when I say that meaning a bad shot mm-hmm. or you know, whatever, um, I really don't care about the potential backblast, although it is weird. There's certain things that people use Kafaru to hold over my head when I will talk about something like I did a Texas heart shot. Uh, You know, a ton of people messaged me about that. I'm like, look, I'm not condoning it. I'm just saying I've taken it inside of 20 yards a couple of times, very lethal. Rifle guys take it. But when you talk about shots like that, um, you have kind of two options, like talking about your kids about premarital sex. Yeah. You're not condoning it, but you certainly want them to know what to do if they're going to do it. And so for me, it's like, hey, a frontal shot. If you're going to take one, this is some options. Like this is where you should aim. This is why I'm here. Um, But if you do that online, which you can see from that one shot, I had to delete some. I mean, there was 489 comments on the Texas Heart Shot post and I had I deleted them. You know, people I literally had people sign up just to talk crap like zero posts, zero followers, whatever. And, um, anything for the gram. And it's like, well, I've taken one Texas heart shot since Instagram was invented. I took several before that. So it's not just for the gram. Sometimes it's a shot that I would choose to take. Mm -hmm. And when I say that I'm sitting on a deer bedded, that deer stands up, walks away. People say there's always, they'll always turn. No, they won't. And if you say that you're full of shit, they won't always turn. Now you can always choose not to shoot and there is nothing wrong with that. But if I'm six yards, eight yards from a mule deer waiting for it to stand out of its bed, um, it stands up to walk away and I can't hit um, a softball, I probably should not be hunting yeah. for, for one or I need to practice more. But that's that's a shot that you might consider taking. And so I wanted to make sure people understood the pyloric artery, different things that what the deer does, what it's hitting, what can happen. Well, one of the funny things with that is people said it ruins the meat. And I was like, hmm, that is very scary to me because what if you gut shot an animal and people are leaving that animal because in their mind it ruined ruins the meat. It doesn't ruin shit. Um, when you gut shot an animal, when you gut shoot an animal, there is basically a, let's just call it a skeleton inside, an exoskeleton inside the animal. There's a cavity mm-hmm. that does not get to the meat. Now it might screw up the tenderloins. I will say that. Mm-hmm. Um, so w- when I think about that, again, the, the instructional portion, okay. How many people might be leaving their animal on a gut shot? Cause they think it's ruined the meat. You know what I mean? There's, there's yeah. potential from the responses I've got that that might be happening. And that's just not the case. I mean, you, the meat is still good if you got shoot an animal. Now, if you got shoot one and run it to death for seven miles, yeah, probably want to make that into burger. Um, but teaching that. Right. You know? Well, and also having a, a platform where when you're right in front of somebody and, you know, maybe you just don't understand how that whole concept works, instead of just saying, uh, f- you know, fuck you, dude. What a stupid idea. You're, you're spreading poison around the community. Someone can raise their hand and be like, uh, can you explain that a little bit further? I don't quite, cause I mean, this is the crazy thing that and I think a lot of people listen to this, understand that people are, uh, you know, total badasses behind their keyboard, but in person, no one is going to call you, you know, a fucking moron for doing something they're going to ask for the explanation. They're going to be yeah. way more polite, way more receptive to a new idea. Yeah. And out of the 500, well, that's exaggeration out of the 150 opportunities to take a Texas hard shot, I think I've taken three. Right. And they were all very calculated and 
But again, because it's the internet and I get it. I mean, I understand how people initially would be like, why would you take that shot? Maybe you wouldn't. I I get it. I'm not going to criticize somebody that wouldn't take that shot. And 99% of the time, you probably shouldn't take that shot. But I (laughs) shot that big whitetail, eight yards, 12 yards, whatever it was. That was a Texas hard shot, went 45 yards and died. Would I take that shot all the time? Of course not. But it's a shot people might take, and I would like them to be at least informed if they're right. going to take it. That being probably the least shot you should ever take, but the, the frontal is another one that I shot my antelope on a frontal shot. Mm-hmm. Is it a shot everybody should take? If you're not comfortable with it, you should not. But the the, the point of this then is, is is I'd really like to to get to where I'm teaching more and and and, and backing out away from the, the, the business part of the company more and focusing on what I'm really good at, which is not the business side of this. I, I, I can do it, but it's not my cup of tea. So, um, moving on to something cooler, let's talk about the <laughs> antelope hunt. So I was with Ryan Rotier. Um, you know, I helped Ryan out with some guiding. Ryan's obviously a big Kafaro supporter. Um, but I went out with him and I brought, uh, um, uh, uh, hold on one sec. I'm, I'm multitasking. Um, <laughs> but while he's doing that rest in peace, Ringo, uh, I don't know what, ha- what happened with that. I don't know. I haven't reached out to Ryan. It, he, I think he said it got an infection from fighting another coyote. Well, I, as I understand, uh, uh, I don't think once he was, uh, brought into the household that they liked him. They tried to stretch him once when he went out into the wild. Oh, really? And so I, it, Ryan, <laughs> I can't believe it. He dug up manually this den. So Chase was like, 20 feet back in this den. Chase is small. He's one of his guides Yeah, <laughs> to pull out this little pup coyote. They raised it as a, you know, as their own. Well, one day Ringo tried to go live in the wild again and came back shortly after all fucked up because <laughs> the coyotes tried to kick the shit out of him. So, um, I can see, um, how that might happen because the, the, the local coyotes did not like Ringo. Yeah. I, I guess that he crossed the line. Um, <laughs> living domestically or whatever, which sucks. But that that dog was like his, I'm sure that hurt him because he's a very much a pet lover. Yeah. So that, that had to have affected him. Um, so it, anyway, Ringo was the, the amazing coyote shots I have at 10 feet was Ringo. Yeah. Like, I don't know that people realize that. That was in uh, Rotier's yard. <laughs> and uh, he would just come up and he was still skittish. I mean, he's a wild animal, yeah. but he was a little bit less wild than obviously most coyotes. But he wouldn't, like, you couldn't walk up and pet him. Like, he'd growl at you. You know, he was still wild. <laughs> but um, anyway, we went up to hunt with Rotier. I brought David uh, here from the office and we were ground blind hunting. Um, and to, like, it, it, a lot of questions that I, that I got asked are things that were, you know, that applicable to this podcast as far as with antelope, um, people asked a lot of questions about broadheads. I'm a very firm believer in the largest broadhead you can possibly shoot that makes sense for your specific setup at an antelope. Antelope don't like to get hit. And so if you make a bad shot on an antelope, they're a lot more apt to bed down with a larger broadhead. And it's no different. You hit something with a 338 Lapua compared to a 223. Um, so I'm a big fan of large mechanical broadheads for antelope. I was hoping you'd say something I had to spit. I'm chewing. <laughs> um, I, so I shot a two-inch sever for, for this hunt. Um, I sat in the ground blind with David the first day. And did you see the snake videos? Yeah. Was that bull snake? Yeah. 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 Uh, it was a rattlesnake. There would have been no video. I would have killed it. Um, <laughs> so we're sitting in the ground blind and then uh, like a kangaroo mouse rat thing, whatever they are. I don't know what it is. Anyway, yeah. little little guy climbing around on my feet. Um, he's running around the floor of the ground blind. It's like a tin shack that's been there forever. It works great as a mm-hmm. ground blind. Um, had a lot of antelope come in. David got some shots. Um, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't end up, uh, capitalizing, but we sat there all day. And, uh, after the mouse or rat or whatever was left, it was a mouse. Um, the snake (laughs) came through and I literally was like, David, don't move. There's a rat rattlesnake in the blind. (laughs) Well, then I looked, I'm like, Oh, it's a bull snake. Don't worry about it. Well, it ended up climbing, climbing into the roof. Um, so it going, didn't drop through the ceiling at first. It just kind of slithered in. Well, it slithered, uh, slithered, slithered across the floorboard and then it went, which I didn't know they could do. It elongated it, itself like a walking stick to the roof. Holy shit. Between a two by four and the wall okay. and then got into the roof looking for the mouse. Yeah. So I lost, uh, you know, I lost the, uh, 
coordinates of the mouse. I didn't know where the hell the mouse went. So <laughs> the snake's in the roof. It's becoming a shit show because you don't want to move around in the blind. Yeah. The snake finally drops out of the roof of the blind. And then it goes on the floor and it's slithering and it leaves. And then literally the moment it goes out, that mouse comes out above me like, hey, bud, <laughs> is it clear? Like, are we good? And uh, so anyway, uh, that happened. Um, so we... Um, I, I, um, David had a few shots that first day. And so the second day I'm like, Hey Ryan, David's going to hunt on his own. I'm going to hunt on my own. Cause I was kind of, you know, quote unquote guiding or trying to help out. And so Ryan puts me on this water hole and we don't see an antelope at all driving to the water hole. Was it artificial or is it like a, a pond? Mm, it was a pond and it was big. And so <laughs> He drops me off and we didn't see an antelope driving to it. And I'm like, not overly enthusiastic about the mosquitoes and the biting horse flies yeah. and the fact I haven't seen an antelope, but I texted Amy and said, I got to trust Ryan. He wouldn't put me in this blind if there was an antelope coming. Yeah. He's not going to just garhole me. So he said, there's big antelope coming. And so I range around this blind and I text him and I'm like, Jesus, dude, this is a bomb. Like, <laughs> he's like, I know. He said, we don't put people in that blind very often. That's why you're there. You can shoot. Yeah. So, you know, I'm punching my clown, sitting in there doing nothing, playing on the phone. And I hear, <laughs> and I was like, Jesus. And behind me to the left side, there's a doe at like three yards drinking. Scared the shit out of me. <laughs> and so I have to the right where the, where the camera is, that window open. So... The one thing, you know, sitting in a ground blind, you want 75%, um, you know, of the blind closed. And uh, so I'm semi, uh, I've got the wrong window open for one, or not the wrong window, the window that I thought was most applicable to be open where mm -hmm. the camera is, where they come and a 25 yard shot. Well, the doe is at three yards or maybe five or whatever. And then there's 13 more does. Um, Dang drinking from three, five to 40. And I'm like, okay, so I'm already on, I had a chair in there, mm -hmm. but it was too tall. So oh. I had to put the chair folded up and get out of the way. I'm sitting on a little cooler, like a little Yeti. And so I see the buck and I'm like, oh Lord, that that's a big, I underjudged it. I thought it was 70 and it, it was bigger than that. So I'm like, okay, so I have to shut the one window and open the other one. Now, this was a see-through double bull blind, not mm. a big blind, but I could see through it. Um, close the one window, and I'm doing my best impression of a ninja to open the other one without these those seeing. So we're talking like micro movements to get this blind open. So the course of this happening was like three minutes to get the window open. And I will say I was bitten at least seven times in the left and right leg by horse flies during this time. They were going, they knew, right? I couldn't move. I'm like, these little motherfuckers. My legs were fucking swollen. So I get the blind open and I had cut that quivalizer down. Um, uh, and it, it the, I drew back and it wasn't happening, right? I didn't have enough room to draw back, even with a stabilizer. So I had to shimmy back and that, Antelope was at 68 yards, and I'm sure I'll get bashed over this. Very, I'm very confident in that that distance. I'm, I'm not worried about it. So I shimmy back. Mm. I still don't know how big the antelope is. I know it's big. Mm -hmm. It's drinking, looking around what antelope do. So I get to full draw, and I'm like, okay. He takes another drink, lifts his head up, and he has a calm, you know, uh, like appearance about him. I'm right. like, I'm his gonna ears aren't like flicking around. Yep. Yep. And so he drinks, he looks left, he looks right, right. And he goes to drink again. And I shoot him, but I split between the shoulder and, and the, and the neck. And, uh, you saw the shot entry hole. Yeah. It was a two inch sever, two inch hole going in, zipped straight through his heart, came out the other side. It looked like a pinwheel on the offside shoulder, um, you know, 45 yards and died. And then it's 78 inches, uh, conservatively, um, big antelope for South Dakota. So I got that and that, uh, you know, that antelope could have been 10 inches smaller. I would have shot it like yeah. people, you know, I'm not a great trophy hunter, which we'll talk about in a minute, but that antelope, when I had shot it, Rotier knows me. He's like, do not leave the blind. And I'm like, come on, man. And he's like, just wait for us. Cause other you'd scare antelope off, oh, whatever. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I do, I sit in the blind for waiting for Rotier to come, which is not easy for me to do. Why well, I'm like, I'm getting out of this blind. I'm getting eaten alive by mosquitoes and, and, and horse flies. So 
I get everything packed, get it out of the blind. Rotier drove by it on the way in. So he pulls up. He's like, hey, there's a dead 80-inch antelope over there. And he he's a... We'll talk about Rotier a little bit because you hung out with him. Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, quite possibly one of the funniest human beings alive. But we were talking about this. Uh, I think it was actually the evening of our grand opening. Um, you know, he's he's a... a I hate to use this term, but he's an OG. He's a real dude. Uh, he doesn't give a shit about posting pictures of, you know, bucks or big things he shoots. I mean, besides Aaron, I don't know of a guy who puts more shit on the ground. I mean, he, he, he's a killer. He's a killer. And he's a very, if he tells you something's big, it's big. It's, he's not pulling your chain and he's not one of those guys like, oh yeah, I saw two 20 inch mule deer. If he says it's a 200 inch or whatever, I mean, it's exactly that. So, and he probably, and you know, he has a uh, uh, quarter million acres of freaking lease land that he, so he sees a lot of animals. So if he drove by and told me there was an 80 inch antelope laying on the ground, I'd be, uh, I'd be pretty fucking happy about it because it definitely would be that size. Yeah. So <laughs> He, uh, he pulls up and I'm like, are you fucking around or did, did you see it? He's like, dude, we drove over the top of it. It's like right by the road. And I'm like, <laughs> perfect. So I, I go get the arrow and that, uh, you saw the entry hole. That yeah. was crazy what it did to that thing. So I found that arrow 25 yards past it where it went through. <laughs> so I go get the arrow. We go get the antelope, get some photos. We go back, cut it up. And, uh, one of the, um, clients, uh, the next day, cause I, I helped Rotier out as well. Uh, had the blind open most of the way, 24 inches. And so, you know, one of the things like, you know, hopefully with this podcast, while you're laughing at me and, and Colin, when you learn something, the one thing you want to want to really pay attention to with, with the ground blind is you want that thing 75% closed. Yeah. You do not want light coming in in all directions. Now, things will come in, but they'll hang out at that 80 to 100 yard mark. With the ground blind, one of the things I think is most important when you come in is clear out whatever's on the ground that can make noise. Get your gear set up where there's very little movement and then get your bow set up where there's very little movement, grabbing your bow and then get yourself positioned to shoot the wild, widest field of view you can. Like I am not overly flexible. So I've got like a very limited, <laughs> like this mule deer I just shot, I have to pick my battles of what lanes I can shoot because there's things f- flexibility wise I cannot do. Right. Like I'm limited to where I can shoot. Um, torso flex. I should take yoga or something. I'm not very flexible. So <laughs> with what I, with the blind, what I do, I have, I take an assessment of the most applicable and possible shot I'm going to take mm-hmm. and then, okay, need to drop to a knee. I need to do whatever. And then I mock that up in the first five minutes of sitting in the blind, meaning what can I clear? And then I get everything ready, meaning my, my water, my range finder, everything set up that I need for very little movement, very little noise. And then opening and closing the blinds. If it's a new blind, be familiar with how to open the window (laughs) and get it ready to open. And the thing is, is that you have to understand like the wind blows, those blinds blow, they make some noise. They're used to some amount of noise coming from things flapping. Especially if they've been there for a whole long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If Well, if you're antelope hunting and you pop a blind up the day before season, just expect to not kill anything. <laughs> you need to have it up a couple of weeks beforehand. <laughs> so I shut the blind on the offside that they couldn't see. That was mm-hmm. easy. I opened the other blind, and what I did is I just, it's a folding window like a book. Mm-hmm. And so I just literally inch by inch watching, get it, and then I'm watching the antelope trying to like manually... And, and Colin's watching me. I'm like simulating this, even though you guys can't see clip this window in, I clip it in and no one looks. And I'm like, right, we're like 70% there. Like we're <laughs> Thank good. <God>. Like, <laughs> so my bow is resting against my, if you can imagine my, my right knee is down, left knees up, bows resting against my left knee. I grab it and I go to full draw and I can't, I can't make the shot. The limb and cam is in the roof. And so I'd like do the knee shimmy back like six inches and I'm good. And then I make the shot. The one thing that's important is one, wear black um, Mm -hmm. if you can. Two, again, make everything ready to go. And then any backlight behind you, they can see that. So you got to make sure it's fairly dark. And then the other thing too is like if you, that shot may not have been one that most people would have taken. That buck was on camera. So that buck does come in front of the camera. You have to make an assessment. Will that buck come closer? I did not care. I shot that buck where it stood. But I did have does close. And I mean, like me to you, close from the blind. And so when I went to full draw, 
I had to make sure that those, I wasn't worried about the buck. He was 68 yards away. Those does didn't see me. And so the thing is, is if you can't make that shot, you need to get to a position to where you're ready when that buck, if he comes over together as does to make the shot. But again, noise and then backlight you got to make sure what's behind you is 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 dark or do you do uh, mock draws like before multiple you? times yeah. out of every yeah. window yep i think that's big that's something like i've done uh, probably more blind hunting than i've done anything else and you know you'll just find places where, like well there's no way my limbs won't clear this there's no way i can make this shot you know as you're doing a mock draw or whatnot but i just think yeah i think that's a big uh, exactly what you're talking about. A big point people don't think about it. So just like if you were on a mountain and if you're standing up on the top of a mountain and you're being silhouetted hard, I mean, whatever you're hunting is going to look right and be like, what the hell is that? And it's the same thing in a blind, like just because you're in a blind doesn't mean you're invisible. You know, you have to have, you still have to have that back coverage to make that black hole that they're looking into. Yeah. And, um, it, w- w- the one thing I've learned, especially with a stick bow is if you do your job, the antelope or deer or elk or whatever don't know you're there. Yeah. They're going to continue about their daily business. And I bring this up to like, let's say you're going to Starbucks, you pull your car in or go through the drive through and okay, well, if all of a sudden an alarm of a car goes off, you're going to look, all right. That's one. If all of a sudden an ambulance pulls up, somebody's down, right? We got a problem. We got to pimp down. If a cop <laughs> comes up, you might leave Starbucks, right? If a cop pulls like something's going down at yeah. Starbucks and I don't want to be involved. That is you in the ground blind. That is you on the ground. Like, so, but if you do your job, the animals are not going to deviate from their normal daily routine. Yeah. People forget that, which is why you rush shots. So like if an antelope's coming to drink, don't shoot it when it's coming, shoot it when it's drinking. Right. But if you're nervous, it's going to leave. I get it. Cause I mean, I've been there like your brain's going hundred miles an hour. Um, people do this all the time or, or maybe potentially take, um, uh, Hold on. Southcock shot a mule deer. He's <laughs> texting me about it. They don't have it yet, but the big pools of blood, dude. Amazing. Did you see the photo? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I didn't yeah. know if that was a recent photo or if that was something. I mean, talk about learning your cut charts. Yeah. Um, South is literally 10 feet above a deer about to shoot his own wiener off trying to shoot the deer. <laughs> like South is a fucking monster in the mountains. But, yeah. Um, well, speaking of like, uh, are you glad you could actually reach out and touch something this year as opposed to that? <laughs> it's funny. The amount of people messaging me about, you know, it looks, it, it looks weird to have a compound in my hand when I shot a compound for the majority of my life, yeah. a, a fra- a 10% of my life. I shot a stick bow, but people know, you know, as I've gotten more well known, the stick bow, people know me for that. But yep. You know, I shot tournaments before I hunted with a compound and, and for me, my, I like to be challenged and I like to be excited and the compound shooting it again made me excited again about shooting same way when I shot stick bow. So it is a different world. Like just going down to hunting Arizona, the last time I was down there, I was with big Chino, uh, super good friends. I helped them out guiding stuff like that. Um, they were like, well, it's a different world now. Cause I had the compound. Yeah. I was not able to shoot a deer that they killed. That was two twelve. He was at 55 yards for five minutes. I couldn't shoot him with a stick. So I I get it. If you're a stick bow guy, which I consider myself to be a stick bow guy and a compound guy, the, now the thing is, is I would have never killed that antelope. The deer would have died or 30 yards probably would have died. Um, now within 80, it's probably going to get killed Yeah. where before 80 was like a par <laughs> four, right? It was like, yeah. So yeah, but I, I do, I do like the fact that I can reach out and, and touch something. Um, I'm, I'm super excited about shooting the compound again, but, um, yeah, either, <laughs> either way, some things to think about with ground blind hunting and antelope, big, big mechanicals, I think is the way to go with, with, if your setup is correct right, with, right. with, uh, antelope. So now the, the mule deer, um, we're skipping the uh, the portion where I was on Kodiak. We uh, just some military training stuff. Uh, super cool. I didn't get to hunt at all. I was just um, you know there for some help for land nav and things like that. It rained a lot. We climbed a lot. Uh, my foot has been screwed up. That did well. I was excited about that. Um, I think I'll just stop there with that. So then I'm going <laughs> to the the mule deer. So JP with Big Chino and I are real friend, good friends, friends with the family, Junior and the crew down there and Mike. He had asked me if I wanted to come down and, and hunt. Now, keep in mind, they hunt public land. They have private, but it's public land hunting and, uh, you know, very competitive. Yeah. And so I was like, look, man, I'll, I'll come down. I got a limited window to, to hunt. 
and there was a few big deer they were after. So when I got down there, we were focusing on one specific deer. I think you posted a picture of it. Yeah. A video. Yeah. Yep. Video view. Yeah. And, uh, and, and talk it. So trophy hunting, my, a couple of my buddies, Alex and Esther being one, um, had messaged me about, dude, you got to hold out. And, and he's doing it more for principle because there's certain company people that work for other companies. And I don't, I don't, I don't mind talking about this at all. One works for Kuyu that has constantly bashed me in the outdoor community mm -hmm. about not being a trophy hunter. And I'm not, I'll be the first one to admit I am a horrible trophy hunter. And Alex defending me is like, he could be, he just doesn't care. Right. And, and that specific guy has said, well, if you kill enough, eventually it'll get boring. I think I've hit that mark. Um, <laughs> I just like hunting. I like the adventure. I like the excitement. And I'm not trying to downplay trophy hunting. If that's what you do, I, I'm all for it. Mm -hmm. I just, I'm a horrible trophy hunter. I mean, I, I don't have any embarrassment over that. Like, don't get me wrong. I've shot some big animals, but it's because generally they've come in first. Like, right. but my problem is if the stars align and uh, I have an amazing stock and everything's worked out. I've gotten the blood, sweat, the tears, the stock, the excitement, and a 165 inch deer pops up. Yeah, it's going to die, right. right? I don't have the ability in me to say, oh, I should let down and wait another day. Yeah, no, not me. I'm just not doing it. <laughs> and I don't, I don't, um, I get the trophy hunting thing, but again, I've been blasted or I don't know what you want to call it. I'm less of a hunter because I don't trophy hunt and I'll take it. I don't care. I'm a bad trophy hunter. Well, Alex is like, dude, you got to hold out. And I'm like, man, I'm going to try. I can't make any promises, dude. Like I can't. So we were down there and it is very competitive hunting. Like there's lots of outfitters and public land pressure. And I will say the guys at Big Chino have this dialed in because it's not this specific year, especially they're not coming to water because it's been monsoons down there. Yep. It's hot. So like right now, there's a lot of water and it's hot. So they'll water anywhere, but they're not out in the daylight. Right. 15 minutes in the morning, 15 at night. And so we had to get real creative. And so I had gotten about one, I think 120, 140 yards from a, maybe a mid-190s buck. I never saw it. My, my, my guy on the mountain saw it. And I'm going to get blasted for this too, but I had a radio in my ear. They walk you in. I will say where I've hunted down there, the chance of something dying without a radio in your ear is not great. Um, now, if you think less of me for doing that, so be it. But I did have a radio in my ear. Um, we got real close to a couple good bucks. I passed up three or four, I guess, bucks at like 60 yards. Um, I guess on day three or four, yeah, the night of day three, we got into a big group of bucks. One was a 190 buck. One was the buck I killed. I, I couldn't get close. We ran out of daylight. So that night, those guys made a plan. They were like, hey, this is what we're thinking. I'll go in in the dark, like really dark, um, like headlamp four hours before. Day. Yeah. So we, we get up at three and the idea is I'm going to go in to where they bed and get in there. And it's maybe 12, 13, 1400 yards. Um, and sleep and wait or mm -hmm. just lay there. And when the sun comes up, they'll find the deer coming back to bed right. and guide me in. And so I go in and I've got John uh, is on the mountain above me. And I, I, I'm on this fence line. It's kind of like an old, like half up, half down, like triple stand uh, barbed wire fence. So I just sleep under it. Right. And I, I get in there and it's already like 80. It's hot and it's dark. I go in on a red lens and I, I call uh, John and I said, Hey, I'm 1,284 yards in off Onyx. Mm -hmm. um, and he's like, Hey, is the wind good? And I was like, Hey, it's coming from the south, shifting southwest. And I'm like, It's starting to push harder west, but I'll keep you posted. He's like, Just push south as much as you can. So mm -hmm. once I knew the wind was good enough, I pushed south. So the sun comes up, they find the deer. And the big, big buck, he did not see, and I don't think the other spotter saw, but the buck I killed, they obviously saw that. So John is like, hey, I've got a buck, move. And I'm like, John, do you, you don't know where I'm at. <laughs> and, uh, and he had a good idea where I was, and I knew what he was thinking. He'll pick me up on the fence, yeah. right? But I think I was worried. I was already past where he was looking, and I'm like, I'm in the first goalie. He's like, I got you, bro. I got you. Run. And I'm like, oh, shit, like this is varsity now. Like I have to run. <laughs> and so I dropped my pack. Um, I brought the straight jacket down there, had my camera and a lot of water, like, cause yeah. there's a good chance of me being pinned down for eight hours. So 
drop the pack, marked it on Onyx, and just sprint. And I am not a runner. So I get 400 yards down. John's like, bro, stop, bro, stop, stop. Post up, post up. And I can hear my heartbeat out of my eardrums at this point. <laughs> and I'm like, this deer's going to hear me breathing. Yeah. Like, And so I'm trying to take, take deep breaths. And I can tell from his excitement, he's like, coming west, coming west, coming west. And I'm like thinking okay, it's close enough. I can't call him. And I'm like, straight West, Southwest, like <laughs> exactly West, like compass West or local West. Like, um, so I'm like waiting and I pivot. And when I pivot, I start ranging and he's like, perfect, bro. Perfect. Well, it's coming Southwest, more West. I don't know this. And then I range down the fence. And so I range everything around me just mm-hmm. in case I get posted up. I range this shitty ass. There's one strand on the fence at this point, not three, but the one that's bad, the top yeah, one. It's like an old cattle fence. Yeah, 20 yards. So I, I, I draw back or no, I hold my bow up to see where my 20 yard pin is. Of, of course, if this deer comes to 30, I'm shooting the fence. And sure as shit, and I can hear him. He's like, it's coming, it's coming, and it's coming left to right pops out and it's a good enough deer because we were wanting to shoot a four-year-old or older Mm -hmm. definitely four years old so i i literally it stops at like 31 yards so i was at draw full draw for me 30 40 seconds and i'm holding back because and it heard me draw or heard my heartbeat or heard me breathing one one or all of the above well i'm waiting and i'm like well if he jumps the fence i've got him at 20 to my left or 30 well he just puts his head down starts feeding across from me and he's at, th- of course, 30. And so I'm like, okay, shoot it for 32 and drop it. Um, a little bit high, but clear the fence. So I shoot yeah. it. And I actually, in the f- photo, it looks pinwheel. It's a little high, but it, he dropped when I shot. And it actually went in high lung and then went high shoulder spine. Mm-hmm. Drops him. So it's breakdancing, right? I jump the fence and I get uh, like three, four feet from it. I knock another arrow which people that have seen the photos, I just draw back to shoot straight down. The arrow blows up and it hurts so fucking bad. I didn't look. I thought I had shot an arrow through my hand. And so I'm like, (laughs) and I'm like, okay, just look. So I look and I'm like, oh, it's just swollen. (laughs) So now I I, I have to, which this is, you know, I need to get the deer down. So I I actually just um, poke the deer into the lungs and the heart. The deer dies, but I think what happened is the back six, eight inches, the arrow broke. The arrow portion in front of that hit my thumb sideways and dislocated it because of the purple. Again, this is just talking to a buddy of mine that's a doctor. And then from the excitement and everything that went on, it popped back yeah. in into so- back into its socket. And so the deer died in like 45 seconds. So, you know, fairly quick. Yeah. Um, but I called John on the radio. I'm like, hey, man, I don't want to be overdramatic, but I, I, my thumb is fucked up. <laughs> and he's like, what happened? He's like, why didn't you shoot it? I'm like, dude, my bow derailed. The, the arrow broke. And he's like, what? And I'm like, I'll explain it when you get down here, dude. But uh, my thumb is fucked up. I'm like, it might be broken. Don't, it's not a huge deal. Let's pack this thing out, get it cut up. So I posted a photo of it in my post. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I was, people are ready to bash an arrow (laughs) company. And I didn't mention the arrow because the the arrow that I shot is is an arrow I believe in. And, And, you know, I shoot black eagles too. This was not a black eagle, but this is an arrow I feel confident in. Mm-hmm. Shit happens. You hunt long enough. Yeah. Well, people are like, oh, was it a practice arrow? Was it dinged? And I'm like, well, if it was dinged, I wouldn't have shot it. But right. like people, as you know, but people most don't. I build my arrows ahead of time. The night before season, I built 12 hunting arrows. And when I say I build them, the evolution arrow tuner that, that T-Bone came up with, mm-hmm. I cut them, square them, and I glue the um, hit insert and the broadhead in. I glue everything in. Yeah. So you can't unscrew and screw field tips in. Just a fluke. Like I could have dinged it up while we were hunting. You know, anything could have happened, but it wasn't something that um, I was concerned about in the sense of, oh, I'm never going to shoot this arrow again, or, oh, this is a, a faulty thing. Like this is the first time I've heard it happen. Now, I've had a couple of people message me that they've had it happen, but shit happens when you're yeah. hunting. Well, my, my thumb, and actually now it's just clicking when I spin it, but it's not broken. I shot this morning because I had to, since my primary bow is in pieces, um, I had a, my backup bow. So I think I texted you when I woke up. I said, hey, I actually got some sleep. Yeah. I'll be in at 8.45. So um, I shot arrows um, at like 20 through 80. Bow was dialed. Backup bow's good because I'm going to take it on this next hunt. Yep. Um, but yeah, I was amazed. I think people were ready to bash the living shit out of an arrow company when 
don't get me wrong. If an arrow has a, or a component has a failure ratio that's fairly high. Right. Yeah. I get it. But in this case, shit happens. I was not a fluke. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't worried about it at all. Um, but that, that deer, like the moment it hit the ground, I have three people, dude, what, why'd you shoot that? And I'm like, cause I wanted to, um, (laughs) (laughs) you should have held out. And I, you know, one of the first things that I always think of is, you know, a few guys specifically is they've never killed an animal with a bow. Right. And I'm like, why don't you come down here and give it a whirl? Like, and I'm not, I'm not saying there's plenty of successful hunters that shoot big deer in Arizona. I'm not saying that, but it it was tough hunting. Yeah. And I was super excited about the deer. I was very happy about it. But the, uh, the animal shaming is, is, is comical because they were like, dude, that's not nearly as big as what you could have got. You should have held out. And I'm like, look, if it makes me happy, why are you concerned? Like, you know what I mean? If I want to date like healthy chicks that are like softball player chicks and they make me happy, leave me alone. Like that's what I'm into. And so don't I, animal I, shame me, bro. Oh yeah. No, I, and I make jokes about this because I get it. Like, you know, I probably should at times hold out, but I don't want to, um, public land hunting with a bow for any animal. I don't give a shit what it is. And every year is different. I mean, there's been some years in Colorado where we hunted for the past 10 years that, you know, it was easier than the others, but there's somewhere it's like, literally every tree is a dude with a bow and you're like, oh, okay, I gotta get the fuck out of here. You know? Yeah. So it's just, I don't know. It's so weird that people care about shit like that. Well, and I'm not um, making excuses on my end as far as like, you know, oh, this was public land hunting. Uh, it was impossible. I'm sure I could have shot a bigger deer if I waited longer. I don't know. Maybe I would have ran out of season or maybe like in their mind, they'll go home empty handed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I eat that shit. I like it. Yeah. Like I'm not going to go home empty handed. And so I would say, you know, if you're listening to this, like don't let people like, I don't mind these guys give me shit about it. I'm totally cool. I'm not whatever. Um, Alex Nestor's one of them. He never gives me crap. I think he is. Um, well, he does give me crap, but he is, um, <laughs> having hunted with me with maybe, I guess you could say maybe some of the skill set or shooting ability I have, it, it hurts his soul (laughs) that I am not capable of holding out. It bugs him like internally, like mentally it bugs him. Like he was hounding me. He's like, dude, next year, let's just trophy hunt. And I'm like, why? (laughs) Which literally drives him crazy. He's like, dude, all the guys that talk shit, which is like, like Brendan Burns from QU, huge shit talker about me trophy hunting. And I'm like, dude, but I don't care. Like it doesn't, does not affect me. And I think the moment that I don't have my adrenaline going on 160 inch deer, I get it. Like hold Mm -hmm. off. And I will say like guiding, I'm much better as when I don't have the weapon in my hand. I literally piss guys off where I'm like, don't shoot it. It's not big enough. And they're like, they, they want to. And I'm like, I get it. If you want to shoot it, shoot it. I'm just saying we can get bigger. Yeah. On my end though, if the adrenaline's still running and I'm still excited, yep, probably going to die. Yeah. And uh, as we're eating jalapeno cheeseburger or jalapeno summer sausage, I am very happy with my decision. Um, <laughs> I, I was going to, you know, again, like don't let people bug you about that. If you're a trophy hunter, great. Rub some funk on it. I'm all about it. If you're a guy that just wants to hunt for meat, do that. If you're a mm-hmm. guy that, you know, whatever, whatever you're doing. And and again, like it, it, it is also applicable to the Cameron Haynes. He's a friend. Cameron wasn't the greatest trophy hunter in the world before he had the money to hunt other right. places. And exactly. I'm not saying that in a negative way. Nope. He was hunting public land, like Eagle Caps in Oregon, a very hard area to hunt. Shooting raghorns. Oh, yeah. And and shooting, um, you know, good animals mm-hmm. that are applicable to where he was hunting. The dude's a monster. But he's a trophy hunter now, but he's also hunting better areas. He's worked for that. He's able yep. to go hunt areas, um, you know, that, that he has worked for. And people have given crap. You can't win, right? People give him crap now about you'd never shoot though. Must or, or, be nice. Yeah. And it's like, well, he's earned that yeah. to go. And believe me, like I like to do backpack hunts. Mm-hmm. So am I going to shoot uh, with South uh, as large of an animal as I could if I went and hunted the San Carlos? Right. No, but I'm with South Cox and his crew um, in there uh, with a lot of elk around us. If any of us shoot anything over a 340, it's, it's a fucking miracle, right? It's not a big bull unit. It's a lot of bull unit. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I, I think that uh, in the case of like Cam, Cam is a trophy hunter now. He shoots great animals. Yeah. And when I say trophy hunter, Cam shoots what he wants to shoot and and uh, he's earned that and, mm-hmm. and he, he gets to hunt Still great areas. Still works hard. 
But some of the guys that I hear talking shit are hunting in areas that some of it isn't attainable for some people, including me. So some of it would be, but I will say like, if I got to hunt the San Carlos, you might need to take my arrows because the first three forty bull come and I'm probably going to kill it. I'll be the first guy to say it. And I'm fucking fine with that. I have no issue because Alex, like he's a couple of times locked the windows or the door to the truck. So I couldn't get out to, to shoot something. And I, and I get it. It's weird because you have people that have total polar opposites of mm-hmm. the thought process. Some people have the process of you're out there for the fun, the adventure, and you want to eat it. Then you have the trophy hunter that's like, you know, oh, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Why wouldn't you want to shoot a bigger animal? Right. And they will never understand each other, Mm-mm. ever. Mike Duplan constantly gives me shit about it. And and again, I like Mike. He's a friend. But I'm like, Mike, you've never shot an animal with a bow. Ever. Ever. <laughs> Rub some funk on it, dude. Grab a bow. Yeah. Shoot a 180 deer, which would be small to him, with a bow. Shoot a 320 bull, which would be small to Mike, with a bow. If you do that, I will be more, uh, I'll be open ears like, dude, you're a stud. And Mike is a stud. He's a great hunter. But I, it's like, hey, is the bow an excuse for me? No, it's not. I just like shooting shit, right? Mm-hmm. But, dude, it's so funny. When I say that, meaning I picked up a stick, some of the haters have said, oh, he did that uh, so he could shoot smaller animals. Well, let's face it. I shot about the same size animals with a stick as I did with a compound. What, if you're taking anything from me rambling here is do what makes you happy. Don't worry about other people say, I've seen people afraid to post up a cow because they would get made fun of that they shot a cow elk. Yeah. And it's like, hey, man, if that what makes you happy, I don't care. Like that's, yeah, you know, cool. I mean, I do whatever, but... On my end, as far as like, you know, the grand scheme of things, like it's all about the adventure, the (laughs) adrenaline. If I'm excited and I come over the top of a deer that's 155 inches, yep, it's going to die. Like, is that because I'm a horrible hunter? Maybe that's what it is. But for me, I... The, the excitement of it to pack out, you know, being back there, being... The experience. The experience. Yeah, let's face it. Last year's elk was not a giant elk. I would not take that back for the life of me. We yeah. were 14 miles in South figured out when I killed that elk, we had yeah. an amazing hack pack out. I was with South and Mike and other uh, Levi and the other guy. I, I feel horrible. Cause he's going to listen to this. I, I call him Dennis the menace. Um, <laughs> I can't remember his name. Uh, he looks like a big buff Dennis the Menace. So we were with Dennis, um, and it was just an amazing hunt. Now, most people would have chosen to shoot a larger elk than I did. And, we I mean, we had passed up a few, but that elk came in on a string nine yards. I can't do it, man. I can't pass it up. Yeah. I mean, it literally was like the coolest experience. It was screaming. Other elk were screaming. But, uh, but, but people... Um, when you're out there, like if it's making you happy that you do you like, don't worry about, cause I mean, on social media, you're seeing the best life people have, right? Not their life, the best life, the life they want other people to see. Yeah. I mean, I try to be a little bit more candid about that, whether it's issues or, or, or whatever I'm having or business, the, the move sucked mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever I'm getting, I, I missed, I got my dick kicked in the ground. But when you see a guy and all of a sudden all he's got is giant animals, you're like, I suck as a hunter. <laughs> see, I, I don't suffer from that. Cause I'm just like, well, that guy's, he's a stud that dude's, you know, getting after it, but you shouldn't let that bother you is yeah. what I guess what I'm saying. Yeah. I think there's a lot of guys out there kind of suffer from that, uh, comparison syndrome. You know, they look at, they look at the things that they are at the, you know, and this is a big thing, I think, especially for guys who maybe haven't, uh, either hunted a particular animal or haven't hunted, a uh, for a long time is you, you get, you compare your animals to other people's animals and you're not assessing your skill set. That's a big thing. Or or your financial status. Yeah. I mean, that's also true. It costs, you know, to go out and hunt some of these units. If you don't have money, man, you're just never going to be able to do it. But if you're not able, you're not capable to wait out in the woods for 14 days, or you're not capable to take a 70 yard shot on an antelope, or you're not capable of uh, stalking in on a, you know, a bedded mule deer at nine yards. That's just where you're at. 
Maybe you need to assess your skills and get better at whatever you need to get better at as a hunter, but there's no shame. And I mean, frick for years, man, I shot does and that's all I ever shot. It's just because kind of how the position I was in when I was in Texas and it is what it is. I'm very fortunate that I ha- I get the opportunities to go hunt other things now, but I, I would never take any of those back. I'm never like, Oh God, I'm, that, that was, I, w- I wish I would have never done that. And if that's how you feel you need to reassess like some mental shit going on in your head. You should be like you. I think this is the, why you do what you do. It's like, you have fun doing all those types of hunts. If you're not having fun hunting, go pick up fishing or basket weaving or something. It's supposed to be fun and not a, a stressful thing. It's supposed to be a de-stressor. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, as I say this, like I hunt private land in Texas and Oklahoma and I've had guys message me like, dude, you should go. So show the haters, you can get it done on public land for whitetail. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. You know, I'm, like, I'm good. And so I, I, a little bit, I guess maybe being contra contradictory to what I'm saying or, or maybe not contradictory, but like, um, I like hunting private land whitetail. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. I do not like hunting. Well, except in Kansas, I don't like hunting public land whitetail. Uh, but private land I'm all about. And, and, and I like shooting, uh, depredation does mm-hmm. like, like lots of them, like delicious. Oh yeah. Cause you know, with me and I've had people bring that up, like how many, you know, I get to shoot a lot of animals and I'm some of those are depredation doe tags. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of my buddies has a lot like triple digit depredation tags and I'm like your man, I'm, I'm going to come down cause I eat all that shit and yeah. my dogs eat the meat and everything else. So, um, but I, um, I am not probably going to hunt a lot of private land whitetail. And when I say I'm probably not going to, I'm definitely not going to unless there's a real good reason because I have so much fun with, I mean, it's hard for me to sit in a tree stand yeah, hoping something will come. So I've been cra- crapped on for, uh, and I get that, like, you know, back in the day, West Coast guy, like baiting's bad, whatever. I'm sh- I'm sitting over a feeder a lot in, 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 uh, in Texas. Yeah. And, uh, Proudly, like I don't give a shit, right? <laughs> I don't care. And and the for me, and I've been like people have asked, like, what's the best tasting meat? North Texas whitetail Hard is one beat. one of my favorite meats, like one of my favorite wild game animals. Yeah. And guys are like, Oh, you're hunting over a feeder? And I'm like, Yeah, yeah, I am proudly. Um, you will not shoot much in Texas without hunting over a feeder. No way. Um yeah, it just doesn't happen. Now, I will say my largest buck was not over a feeder, and I'm not saying that because it's my largest buck. I shot two other bucks over a feeder or or close to it before mm-hmm. that. It just happened to be you had to county jump. Um, you can only shoot one buck per county. Mm-hmm. I had to move counties. It was an area. I rattled it in. It came in. Anyway, um, I would have shot that buck over a feeder without blinking an eye, you know, and then move to another area that you can't hunt over a feeder, for example, Nebraska. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm not hunting over a feeder there. There's corn close. There's a food plot close. There's something close. Mm-hmm. And so for, for me, and I have fairly thick skin, so I don't get too razzed up about this. When you have feeders in the mix, I, I get it. If you want to, you know, block all feed, like if you, all feeders are illegal anywhere in the world, I get it. But if your neighbor has a feeder and you don't, probably not going to, you know, kill a whole lot. And so <laughs> I've talked with Chris Rowe about this a lot. When you, when feeders are legal, you're going to have to have some on your land. Mm-hmm. Um, you might get lucky. One could cross. If feeders aren't legal, it's a moot point, right? You're, you're hunting, you know, travel corridors, whatever. Well, in the case of does, yeah, I'm hunting over a feeder, right? Like I shooting, I like shooting lots of does. And so if that you're against that and you don't want to do that, I get it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think if, um, I don't think you, uh, I've had people message me that they're worried to post their doe kill because they shot it over a feeder. I wouldn't worry about that too much. Like if somebody's giving you shit about that, you know, just take it for what it's worth. He's giving you shit and his opinion and his, his perspective on life, but it's not something you should feel, you know, bad about because I will say coming from the West, I look down upon it as well until I kind of learned more about, you know, different areas. Um, When you get to Oklahoma or Texas places, you can, you know, put a feeder up. Is it, um, what's the like Pope and young, like worthy, right? Nope. Right. You can't shoot shit over, you know, you can't enter it into Pope and young. If it's under a feeder, I think, I don't know. I really don't give a shit. Um, that's a choice that you need to make, right? If you, if you don't want to hunt over a feeder, don't do it. But I think if you choose to just don't feel bad about it, right. like do what you want to do. That's a lot of times the only, and you know, guys who 
do do that, it's a lot of times the only opportunities you have. So it's like when I was growing up, that was where I lived in particular part of Texas. It was kind of the only hunting opportunity I had besides wild pigs and some wild goats and stuff like that. And so coming out West, I definitely, I'm super excited and very fortunate to be able to do other things, but that's all you get the opportunity to do. Or if you live in Alabama or whatever, and those are the only opportunities you have, just take it as a, you know, be happy with what you got and don't, a, don't give a shit about what other guys who are living in Washington or Oregon or Montana say about it because they probably don't have any idea unless they've been down there. And, uh, you know, just hope, don't get too bummed out about seeing guys shooting 420 elk because that's maybe an opportunity you just will never have, whether it's money, skill, time, whatever it is. Yeah, and I and again, it, it whether it's, uh, I mean, whatever it is, like uh, you can only shoot, what animal, uh, is available in that specific unit. Mm -hmm. And if there are, um, giant elk in there and you don't shoot one, well, you, you suck. I don't, whatever. I mean, <laughs> I do it all the time. As I say that, like yeah. there's big elk in areas I shoot smaller elk. Just don't feel bad about that. Mm -hmm. And, and again, like there, there are specific people I know that, that like daily are talking shit about me, uh, about the trophy hunting thing. Uh, Joel Steen, probably not a good guy to bring up because I think, didn't they find a bunch of money in his wall and he was driving like a... He, he's he's an interesting fella. Joel Steen owns like the big... He's like, he's down in Houston and uh, he owns like a church that was like the size of the Superdome. Like it was Yeah, insane. like he and Jesus were close. Like, uh, <laughs> and then he got in trouble because he like fucked up or messed up, like screwed the church out of a bunch of money. Yeah, but yeah. well, the one thing he talked about, and the only reason why I know this is my ex... Uh, which is funny, was actually my girlfriend filed for common law divorce and won. And now I have to call her my ex-wife was a Joel Steen fan. And I remember she'd watch it on Sunday. He was like a blinker. He was like constantly yeah. blinking. He would talk about, you know, words are words and, and how they affect you is up to you. So when I say that, meaning if, if, if someone's words affect you, that's probably a you thing. Like you have to, and I have to work on that all the time, specifically lately. Um, when, when people have specific things like, oh, you're just a horrible hunter. That's why you shot this deer. It's up to you to take that uh, and, and, and either discard it or let it affect you. Yeah. And with hunting and social media lately, especially, it's crazy that the... Someone would be scared to post the dough that they would get made fun of. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, that's horrible. Especially if it makes you happy. Exactly. Like, I get, like, when people shoot something, I've had it. I've shot on more than one occasion where I walked up to it, and I'm like, hmm, yeah, I probably shouldn't have shot that. Shit. <laughs> but it still was a fun pack out. Yep. I got to eat the damn thing mm -hmm. or whatever. But, I mean, most of the time, I would say 99% of the time when I shoot something, I'm excited, like, yeah. you know, whatever size. And so the hunting industry in general is crazy how that works. Cause I, I mean, I get, if somebody wants to trophy hunt, I get that, mm -hmm. but leave the guy that doesn't alone. And if somebody doesn't want a trophy hunt, leave the trophy hunter alone. And, and it's both ways. Cause yeah. I, I mean, I have buddies that like hate trophy hunters, talk shit about them. Oh, it's all money. Oh, they have no skill. And I can say like the guy that I had brought up, uh, uh, Brendan Burns, I fucking <laughs> hate that dude, but he can hunt. Like he's a hunter. I mean, yeah. the guy's a killer. My issue with him is like, dude, just leave me the fuck alone. And let me go hunting. Right. Yeah. And, but the dude can kill and he is a trophy hunting fool and he's a fucking hell of a hunter. He could leave me alone after that. I, I wish he would. Cause I mean, and the dude like is the size of my left leg to begin with. So, <laughs> but the dude can hunt and he's a hell, I mean, he, like I said, when I say he's a hell of a hunter, he's killed shit on public land. He's killed shit on private land. He's done all kinds of shit. The thing is though, it's like, dude, leave people alone, including me, like yeah. let people just go hunting and do their thing. And the same with guys that aren't trophy hunters. Leave trophy hunters alone. If that's their thing, mm -hmm. let them go do it. I don't really get off on that. Like I've had guys message me and say, Hey, do you know where any 400 inch bulls are? And I'm like, Oh yeah. If yeah. I did, they would be dead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd go after them. But I, I think that, you know, just in general, trying to like get along a little bit more in the industry, yeah. especially with all the things we're dealing with is, is probably more important um, than, than fighting over is, is a, you know, a, a, a three and a half year old, 140 inch mule deer, um, you know, something that you should go home and cry about if you shot or be, or get blasted online, uh, for, uh, rivers, the mile high pursuit. Guy, oh yeah. 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 He, uh, he made a mistake. He posted a mule deer recently and said two twenty three, 
uh, oh God. whatever. Yeah. And I, I, uh, I, I come CSI agents after that. They're like, Oh, I measured it in the computer. And it's not that big. I could not come up with that. I messaged him. I'm like, dude, I came up with 186. I'm like, that's all I got. He showed me the score sheet and, uh, he, learning lesson. I did this a long time ago on a bull. And I will say being young and not knowing what I was doing when I measured it, I took the spreads. It says to, um, come up, you're supposed to take the spreads, but they don't count for the score. Right. And I added them in there which made it a much larger bowl. I posted that score, which was a mistake. And I mean, it went downhill from there. And I thought that's what he did. Well, he sent me the score sheet and I added it up and I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's 217 to 220. I mean, do I think that the deer scored that much looking at it? No, I just doesn't look like that big of a deer. I've seen 220 deer on the ground at my feet. Oh my Christ. I don't know how much hate he got, but it's like at a level nine. Like I, I, he was like, dude, people will not stop messaging me. And I'm like, yeah, man, I, I, I gotta be honest. Like I, I got it as a 165, 170 mainframe, uh, buck with like 20 inches of, of, uh, of trash. Yeah. You know? So I said, I I've got him at like 184 to 186. Which is a nice buck. Great buck. I'd shoot it four times for most people would load an arrow, <laughs> but he put 223. I'm like, Oh, big mistake. Even if it scores 223, which I'm a friend with Rivers. I mean, whether whatever it scores, right. he, he's not a, an unethical or, or a, no. a, a guy that lies. But I'm like, oh, shit, dude, you fucked up. <laughs> but never post a score when it's that high. Yeah, I agree. But, well, I, I think this kind of circles back to what we were talking about earlier. It's like if, if he would have walked into a room, put that buck skull down on the ground and been like, Aaron, look at this 223 buck. And you go, uh, you know, that's actually probably a 186. Instead of bashing somebody over something that they did, why don't you just try to educate and send them a, a, a nice message saying, Hey man, you know, uh, I, I, that's a great buck, but this is actually how you would, you would score this. And did you know that? Not you fucking piece of shit. You're a lying goddamn son I, of a bitch. Which I think he got that. And, uh, and again, rivers, I like rivers. I, I have hold them very high regard, but when I saw the post and I was like, Hmm, yeah, I'm not getting that out of that deer. Like just, I'm just not. And I said, man, if it scores that, you are a fucking horrible photographer. Like horrible. Because <laughs> I can make a 160 deer look 175. Yeah. I, I can make a little 140 deer look 160. You made a 223-inch deer look 180. Like that's hard to do. And so I'm like, <laughs> I said, hey, man, you got to work on your camera skills. You take terrible dick pics. Dude. Oh, geez, yeah, yeah. And your dick's like two inches long. So, And again, like I like Rivers. I, I'll have that guy's back for the rest of my life. But um, again... Literally, they piled on him. And he was like, man, I wish I would have never posted that score. And I'm like, hey, man, I got to be honest with you. I don't have that deer over 186. Like, that's what I've yeah. I've got him at. I had multiple people down there, which those guys at Big Chino, they know mule deer. Mm -hmm. And they, same thing, like the score-wise. And I'm like, hey, send me the score sheet. He sent it. So I guess he could have lied about the score sheet. But, I mean, I added the inches. I mean, it is what it is if that's what it scores. And I'm like, dude, you need to have a, a, a Pope and Young uh score, measure it yeah, and post it and tell everybody to eat a dick. Yeah. That's what it's including me. Like, I don't think it scores what you said, but I will eat crow if it does. But uh, again, social media and again, like Robbie Denning is a good example. Robbie is a guy that will call somebody out on score, but is a very good guy. Robbie Denning is an amazing human. Robbie would be a guy that would message him and say, Hey man, you know, I don't think that scores that let's talk about it and yeah. figure it out. Not, hey, you dumb piece of shit, I'm going to cut your wife's head off because the door, <laughs> you know, the deer didn't score 223. But but again, like, you know, with, with Rivers, that is a young man's mistake, which I have made. Yeah. If the, if the deer did score that, I don't give a fuck if the deer scored 250. I don't post scores unless asked. And I'm general, like my antelope. Hey, what's that score? I'm like 175, 180-ish, not sure. Good buck. 7580. No, 170. Yeah. That'd be fucking the biggest antelope on yeah. earth. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> 7580. But again, if I got on there and said 90 inch antelope, ah. I got to expect some blowback. I mean, it's just, you know, 90 inch antelope don't happen much. Right, right. Um, it's, I just think it's just a mentality thing. Like why do people automatically go to cutting somebody down when 99% of the time it could be a. It could be an education thing. Now, there are some people who post shit that you shouldn't post or they're constantly pumping their own tires and they do perhaps need to be taken down a notch or two, but they're going to get theirs no matter what. 
I just think it, I think it's so bizarre, you know, if you, you know, it's just a weird thing that people would get outraged by somebody posting, you know, they'd be like somebody taking a picture of their bank account and putting it online and be like, look how much of a baller I am. Like, yeah, there are people that make more money. There are people that make a lot less, but telling somebody they're goddamn, you know, loser trash person just because they don't do what you do or I, mean, I don't even think most people would be, have ever even been around a 180 buck, let alone shot one to tear somebody down about it. It's just, it's that way you go about it, I think could be way more beneficial towards the hunting industry. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I think that, um, you know, overall, um, the, I guess the way, the way to look at it is, uh, if, if, if you are questioning someone, be uh, polite and talk to them about it. Like you're talking to them face to face. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, Anyway, I think we probably covered that enough and my phone's going apeshit crazy right now. So um, I think uh, at this point for people wondering, the next thing I'm going to go hunt mule deer with uh, uh, Luke uh, Cadillo, I think, for two or three days if I've got the, the time. And then if not, I'm going and uh, hunt elk with South Cox. Um, we'll be in there for 10, 10, 11 days. So that'll be fun. And then uh, you, you want to fill in people a little bit more on the Kafaro side of things? Yeah, uh, well, uh, you know, as you know, the biggest thing we're focusing on right now is the shipping side and the fulfillment side. So Anders and the crew back there, they're absolutely crushing it. They are just uh, busting their asses. I think we're doing about 1,200 packages a week, getting that out there, getting caught up on back orders. So we're hoping to see those lead times be reduced back down. Um, we are also in the process of, you guys, it's amazing. We announced this, but people still don't know. We are in the process of phasing out our multicam and our Coyote Brown color and kind of our major packs and uh, frames. Uh, so if you have any questions about that, you can always reach out to customer service, but uh, we're getting really close to getting back down to those uh, one to two week lead times. Uh, I don't want to say when, because people are going to, you know, hold your feet over the fire for that. But uh, that's the big thing. The trading posts will be coming up soon. Uh, we, again, we've got a lot of irons in the fire in terms of other things coming up. Uh, there's going to be some education centers and education coming out here that Aaron's going to be involved in that Kafaro is going to be behind, um, you know, Wyoming and the Riverton area has been super helpful to us. They've just been great. And, uh, I, I couldn't have picked a better place, uh, to move to and move the business to. So even though the move itself was, uh, an absolute grizzly bear, it's been great being here. Um, we're just super excited to see where it goes from here. Yeah. Same with me. And again, on, on my end, I'm trying to back out of the business side of things. So we, uh, we're kind of, uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't say we're changing a ton of stuff, but really the biggest thing we're changing is me doing my thing and you guys doing your thing. So, uh, for people messaging me like today, I had, uh, you know, messages about different things. Um, I am the probably worst guy to message for anything about uh, yeah, anything, don't. but pack <laughs> fitting and maybe gearless, yeah. like if it's about pro staff, if it's about uh, warranty, if mm-hmm. it's about things like that, like don't, don't message me. I'm not much help. I'm on the road. I'm going to end up letting you down if I don't remember to relay the message. Out of service. Yeah. Out of service. So if you need help with pack fitting, yep, I can help you. If you need help with what bag to get, yep, I can help you. But you know, for the most part, anything else, I'm just not your guy. I'm not involved in that. You guys have it under control. You're yep. doing a great job. So, um, but I appreciate everybody tuning in. I appreciate all the messages and, and, uh, the kind support for me as well as Kafaru. And, and, and obviously the, 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 the job you guys are doing as well, Colin. So I, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, on that note, I'm uh, going to get my shit packed and go home and make sure my bow's dialed in and get uh, everything packed for the next hunt. So thanks for tuning in, everybody.